0: Good morning, EPC family. Welcome to today's service. We're glad that you could join us today, and we hope today's service can be a blessing to you. If you haven't already, you can connect with us on a few different social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. They'll be shown on the screen now. Also, remember that if you have any prayer requests, you can email them to Pastor Shannon. His email can be found on the EPC website. Hope that you have a great summer, hope that you can get outside and enjoy some of the nice weather and we hope that today's service can bless you. God bless.
1: In a few moments, we'll be sharing communion together. The key words that I would like to focus on are sharing and together because communion inspires and demands unity even if we are not physically in the same room together. Sharing together takes on three forms. First, what we share in together. In Philippians 1 verse 7, Paul wrote, you share in God's grace with me. The reality is we come from different countries, different cultures, different backgrounds. We have different personalities, different gifts, different interests, but it is our common participation in God through Jesus Christ that we share in together. Sharing in is most emphasized at communion as we are reminded that we are all equally children of God, that Jesus died to redeem. Secondly, we share out together, service. It's not just about what we have received together, but what we then give out together. What we have received inspires us to give out, to share our material wealth, and to share our spiritual wealth, our knowledge of Jesus with others. We share in communion together because of Jesus, and then we share out together in service to others because of Jesus. And thirdly, what we share with each other. We have a responsibility for each other. The term one another shows up frequently in scripture. As I have loved you, love one another. Do not judge one another. Do not speak evil against one another. Be kind and passionate toward one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, build up one another, comfort one another, pray for one another. Sharing communion together provides us with the opportunity to reflect and to consider what we share together. What we share together is Jesus and what we share out together, serving others materially and spiritually, and what we share with each other, love, grace, patience, forgiveness, kindness, compassion, encouragement, comfort. With these thoughts in mind, let's prepare ourselves today to share communion together. In Luke 22, verses 14 to 16, it says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Then in Luke 22:19, it reads, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can we take the bread this morning and eat together in remembrance of his broken body? In Luke 22 verse 20 it says, in the same way after supper he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you let's drink the cup together today let's pray heavenly father we are so grateful that even though we are not physically able to be together to share communion today we are reminded that we are indeed sharing together. And I thank you for all that we share in you. I thank you that all that we share outward towards others, and Lord, how we can care for and touch and meet the needs of those around us. And Father, we are thankful today for your broken body and your shed blood and all that it represents for us in our lives. May your blessing rest upon each and every one today. May they be comforted with your words and with your presence. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen.
2: Today's scripture is from Luke 6, verses 37 and 38. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Well, good morning, everyone. Today is the fourth week in our summer preaching series entitled, Uncomfortable. We're looking at passages in the Bible where Jesus made those around him feel uncomfortable by the things that he said and the things that he did. We observe in the gospels that Jesus seemed to make religious people feel uncomfortable and yet make marginalized people feel safe, which is almost completely the opposite of many in the church today who make religious people feel safe and marginalized people feel uncomfortable. And as we stated in each week of this series, If we, the followers of Jesus are going to continue his work of making marginalized people feel safe, we must begin with a fresh exposure to the uncomfortable teachings of Jesus. Today, we are going to talk about grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Now last week we learned about how in the time of Jesus, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the religious people had made many additions to the law that God had given through Moses. They misunderstood God's heart, and instead they were all about judging others to see if they kept the rules or not, including judging Jesus himself and his disciples. We learned last week that Jesus declared innocent, who the Pharisees had declared guilty, and that's the perfect setup for today's message. So today, let's dive into this topic of mercy, grace, and forgiveness for a few minutes and see specifically what today's verses have to say. Give, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So first of all, what do we give? Part of the portion of scripture found in Luke chapter 6, verses 37 to 42, was read for you already this morning. In our key verse today, verse 38, Jesus says some really important things, but maybe not about quite what you have always been taught. Because of all the verses in the Bible seemingly about money, Luke chapter six, verse 38, has been one of the most misinterpreted verses. How many times have you heard this verse quoted in your life right before an offering was taken up? If I could see your hands, I'm sure there would be many raised. As we will learn today, this verse has nothing to do with money, but speaks instead about judgment, condemnation and forgiveness. You see, if you read verse 38 as a standalone verse, it does say that whatever you give, you will get back and much more. Besides, and thousands of sermons about giving money to the church have been built on it, but you should always read scripture in context. What do the verses before it say? what about the ones to follow and what did it mean to the original hearers taking a verse and removing it from its context is a dangerous thing to do here's another way to look at it if we took verse 38 completely out of this passage there would be no doubt as to the principle jesus was trying to instill here Verse 38 is sandwiched between verses about loving your enemies and later taking the plank out of our own eyes before we notice the speck in someone else's. Why would Jesus, right in the middle of talking all about not judging others, not condemning others, but instead forgiving them, stop suddenly and throw in one random comment about giving money? Yes, the verse does have the word give in it. So if it's not money that Jesus wants us to give, what is it? Well, verse 37 says, forgive, as opposed to judging and condemning, and you will be forgiven. Simply put, Jesus wants us to be generous in our grace towards others. Making this verse simply about financial reward for financial giving actually cheapens the verse. I think it's safe to say that it's actually much easier to give money than it is to give mercy towards someone we feel doesn't deserve it. Secondly, who do we give to? So we know we are to give mercy, grace, and forgiveness, but who do we give it to? Well, it would appear that we are to give it to everyone, always. If we are to look at this verse in its context again and look back to verses 27 to 28 and 32 to 33, it's fairly clear that Jesus is talking about showing mercy, grace, and forgiveness to everyone, including those who have done us wrong those who have offended us or who we feel have created some kind of debt. As I said in the beginning, it's one thing to think of ourselves as gracious. It's another thing to extend that grace to someone who has personally offended us. A key verse is verse 31, which says, do to others as you would have them do to you. Probably the most widely known verse in the Bible and very similar to the philosophy of most world religions, the golden rule. This golden rule is basically the law of reciprocity. The principle is that others will reciprocate in kind based upon the way you treat them. It's saying that the world will give you what you give to the world. It's the boomerang effect. Now, I strongly believe in this principle, and let me give you an example. I like to have a little fun when I'm headed to a doctor's office I've never been to before. I'm one of those people who read the Rate My Doctor reviews before going. I can't tell you how many times I have read about the doctor being good, but that the receptionist is extremely rude. And I actually get kind of excited when I read that because I make it my mission to have a totally different experience. I head into the office determined to win them over with friendliness and respect and it works every single time. They may start off rude or dismissive, but once I'm done with them, I end up with a receptionist so friendly, you'd think it was a completely different person. Now, you may question my estimation of fun at this point, but hey, no judgment, okay? Why not make it a personal experiment as you head out your door? You're gonna have to work even harder right now with a mask on. You have to smile really big so that they can see it in your eyes. folks the law of reciprocity is true you will get back what you give out what goes around comes all the way back around and in case you think that this is only some secular way of thinking remember what the bible says in second corinthians 9 verses 6. whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously this is not something god meant to be limited to money There are so many other ways to be rich in this life. Rich in mercy, rich in grace, in friendship, rich in joy. Now, standing in the crowd listening to Jesus would no doubt have been some Pharisees. I mean, they were always hanging around hoping to catch Jesus, make a mistake, uh, a misquote, a wrongdoing. As I said earlier, they created a whole extra set of rules to help them keep God's laws perfectly. Talk about first born rule oriented type A people. These guys wrote the book because they were constantly measuring everyone against their self-imposed standard of righteousness. They'd become obsessively judgmental, not realizing that they themselves were in need of God's mercy as much as everyone else. Jesus wants them to understand that love, mercy, and forgiveness. These are the true spirit of the law. Jesus told the people, the Pharisees included, to withhold judgment and condemnation and to release people from the demands of justice. And he wants them to demonstrate their mercy in their forgiveness of others. This, for sure, made them very uncomfortable. We are never more like Jesus than when we show mercy. But on the flip side, we are never more unlike Jesus when we do not show mercy. And listen to this. James 2 verse 13 says judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful mercy triumphs over judgment but wait does does this mean that we are never to judge anyone or any situation i think it's safe to say that we still need to be able to distinguish between good and evil right and wrong have wisdom and discernment about situations Jesus is not telling us to turn off our discernment monitor. He's telling us to stop being so critical, so judgmental, so offended by everything. We need to calm down, to stop keeping that record of wrong. He wants us to stop pounding the gavel over the lives of others. We are to be as merciful to others as God is to us. So that being said, we should only judge, condemn and fail to forgive others in the same way we desire God to judge condemn and not forgive us I don't know about you but I really want God's mercy grace and forgiveness in my life thirdly how do we give well we give with good measure so what does that mean Well, in this verse, Jesus is drawing reference to a measure of grain that someone would receive at the market. It implies that extra bit above and beyond the standard. Today, we would use it to imply in addition to other things. For example, I threw in some extra garlic for good measure. What it's telling us is that in all of our giving, our mercy, our grace, our forgiveness, we're to go above and beyond. That is God's way of doing it, after all doing immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap, pressed down in order to make space for more, shaken together to hold even more still. This shaking would cause the bigger pieces of grain to fall to the bottom and other pieces to fill into all the little spaces so that even more could fit. Running over, pouring into your lap. Now some versions use the word bosom. Both lap and bosom reference the outer garment that most wore over the basic tunic. And this piece was called the mantle, which was kind of like an apron. It was actually the original fanny pack, which I have on good authority is actually made quite a comeback, Um, just in case you didn't know. But in this case, I guess it was more of a waste pack. It was good for carrying money, fruit, or grain. And normally a person would bring a vessel with them when they went to the market to be filled with grain. And if a person wasn't expecting to receive grain, they didn't have a container, they would then pull up the mantle to create a a lap or a pouch. We see in Ruth um, chapter three, verse 15, that Ruth uses her mantle to receive six measures of barley from Boaz. I love the fact that Jesus says, this good measure will pour into your lap because this means that it is a surprise. They're using their mantle, not a vessel. The person receiving didn't expect to receive. Isn't that just like God? His mercy is always surprising and beautiful and so much more than we could hope for. And the grace you will give out will come back to you in surprising ways and be overflowing. Grace truly is surprising and God gives it in radical and profuse measure. And I know that I want to give that out as well. Now Jesus goes on to say, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The measure you use. So let me ask you this, what measure are you using? Do you give out only teaspoons of grace but hope for buckets in return? According to this verse, you can only expect teaspoons. Do you measure forgiveness by the millimeter but expect kilometers of it for yourself? With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Be stingy in your mercy and you will find mercy just outside your grasp. Point your finger in judgment and more will point back towards you. Withhold forgiveness and you will find that you are in need of the same and you won't be able to find any. But if your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness towards others is just like Jesus, above and beyond, then your lap will be overflowing. Now don't get me wrong, what you receive back will not always be from the people that you showed mercy to, although that is often the case. But be assured that our God who sees everything will make sure that you are never lacking in mercy, grace, or forgiveness yourself. With the law of reciprocity, it is God himself who makes sure that the grace we have shown comes back around to us. God sees, he notices, and he keeps good records. It's amazing to me to think that we actually set the bar of blessing for our own lives. We decide the measure. To the proportion we demonstrate mercy, grace, and forgiveness, those same will come back into our lives. So choose your measurement, wisely. Jesus is as always calling us to live a radical counterculture life. It's natural and easy to judge, to condemn, to be unforgiving of offense. And when it comes down to it, we love ourselves most. We are most interested in what is good for us and we want mercy for our transgressions. No one appreciates being judged and and yet I believe we live in one of the most judgmental times in history. We live in what one writer named Scott Sauls calls a time of internet outrage, public shaming, and the modern-day Pharisee phenomenon. People, and sadly Christians in particular, seem to be on the vigilant lookout for things to be offended by. That sounds an awful like the Pharisee, doesn't it? New York Times writer Tim Creeder coined this as outrage porn, with many people feeling um, the, the feeling of either being right or being wronged. Today, people hide behind social media posts to call out, judge, shame, label, exclude, and boycott others, and sometimes based on only a few words said. Ours is a very much a cancel culture. Every day we are bombarded with an angry blog, a critical tweet, or a vicious comment on social media from a so-called religious person often sadly directed towards marginalized people or towards those that stand with them, making religious people feel comfortable and marginalized people feel unsafe. And while, like I said, we do need discernment, um, the fact that people can destroy the life of a person they've never met or even heard of before that day in their outrage over something that they may not even know all the facts about, that's a very scary thing as saul says it's in those moments that we need to shift our eyes from the screen to the mirror he says what if instead of condemnation we became known for benediction what if instead of being on the hunt to catch people doing something wrong like the pharisees were we went on the hunt to catch people doing right Folks, let's run from being religious people like the Pharisees who didn't understand God's heart and who appointed themselves as judge and jury over everyone else, including Jesus. If we are to be uncomfortable with anything, let it be in seeing our need to change and to live a life of radical grace like Jesus instead of finding ourselves too uncomfortable to even look at that part of our life to change, and to begin to show the kind of mercy that God expects from us. Let's be the kind of people who, so aware of God's mercy and grace in our own lives, extend the same in a way that makes marginalized people feel comfortable. So in conclusion, what do we give? Grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Who do we give it to? Everyone. Always. How do we give? in good measure, extravagantly, in abundance, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And because God sees what goes around, will definitely come back around. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. for joining us today and we hope that you have a wonderful rest of the day. God bless.